Welcome to the Best Hour of Their Day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez and me, Jason Ackerman. With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. All right, everybody, we are back to talk about money because when you don't have any money, money sucks, but when you have a lot of money, money's cool. It is cool. So it makes life a whole lot more fun. Yeah, we're going to talk about, um, so if you've been listening to any of the podcasts, obviously you guys know who Nick is, Nick True. He's our budgeting coach for Best Hour. He's also does budgets for people all over the world and helps people understand their cash flow so they can keep their money. And um, what we want to talk about today is that we've covered a lot of the why you should budget, the pitfalls of budget in the, in the previous episode. So if you've not watched those, go back and watch those. But... We talked a lot about when things are not going well. Let's talk about when things are going well. So you're running your budget. You've got extra cash on hand. I have to take two things into consideration. Now, one is I'm probably going to be staring down the barrel of some tax, you know, payments. And then what do I do with my money after that to either start accumulating wealth or try to, you know, limit my tax liability because there if you do have cash on hand there are ways to use that cash in order to limit your tax liability so um where you want to start with taxes first nick yeah we'll start with we'll start with the fun stuff first the taxes okay. yeah yeah taxes, everybody uh, yeah let's so a couple conversations i've been having just with gym owners the last few weeks uh that i thought would be good to to bring up here and it really centers around um how do you know how to much to save for taxes? You know? Right. And so like now I'm making money, I'm doing stuff, but now I'm concerned I might not have enough set aside for taxes. How do I know that I'm, I'm setting aside enough? Um, the, the real answer to this question, like the super detailed answer is you probably need somebody to, you know, like an accountant to sit down and yeah, look at your depends. specific situation. <laughs> right. Cause it depends. Um, but I think there's some back of the napkin, like ways that we can get close to, to help people make sure that at least you don't end up in April getting blindsided, right? And right. going like, holy cow, like right. I owe a ton of money and I don't have it and whatever. Um, so this conversation started and got birthed out of um, like percentage-based budgeting or profit mm -hmm. first, profit first for for uh, gym owners is, is like a popular methodology for running your budget, which is great. One of the things that they advocate in that method is to take a certain percentage off the top, right? So just take a certain percentage off the top of revenue. Mm -hmm. And this is where things get tricky because while it's super helpful, I think it just makes it really nice and simple to take it off the top. It does mm -hmm. make it, um, the number can fluctuate a lot depending on, how profitable you are. And then also right. depending on like how much money you, or like if you're married, your spouse makes outside of the gym, right? right? What tax bracket you're in outside. So a couple of like ways to think about this, and I'm going to get like into some math, you know, real, real fast. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, let me just pull up like for YouTube, I can just share my screen and we can just yeah. like, like show it. So let's see here, share screen. Okay. So let's say that so pull this up. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's say that you are, um, your gym budget, let's say is 20,000 a month. We'll use nice, easy round numbers. And so if you were 20 K a month, and let's say that your operating expenses are roughly equal to 75% of that. And so okay. paying the team, paying your rent, your utilities, affiliate fees, insurance, the whole nine. And so that means that your profit in terms of before paying yourself in taxes, right? And so this is where like this word profit, gross profit, net profit, what do you call it? Like, right. Uh, we're, we're trying to like cut through a lot of this, the, the profit in its simplest form, which is like, if you are a single member LLC and you own the gym at the end of the day, what, what the IRS is going to look at as coming to you is really 25% before paying yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And so that means that in terms of like your liability in terms of for taxes at 20K times 25%, that is roughly, what is that, five grand? Yep. So we're going to say 60K a year. So if this was your only income, and here's like a little, uh, if I change, can y'all see this? Um, tax. No, I, whatever you're doing, I can't okay. see it. So let me, let me reshare the whole, um, the whole tab. Percent share window. There we go. Okay. Now, great. So this little like before tax.co is um, pretty slick. It has a pretty slick calculator uh, okay. um, to get close. Okay. And so let's say that I was uh, 60,000 mm-hmm. and I was in the state of Tennessee and we're going to do, we're going to do the self-employment instead of the, uh, S-Corp stuff. Okay, so 60K, and this is all that. Okay, and we're going to add in single instead of married, just as an example, and then hit update. And so now we can see that our total tax liability is going to be, where's the total? It looks like about 11K. Well, our 12. Total tax is 12.3, right? And so if I were to come back over here, 12.3 12.3 divided by 60 grand equals 12.382 divided by 60 is roughly 20%, right? 20%, yeah. Great. Okay. I know that was like a ton of math for y'all that are listening to this. Just hang with me. All of our listeners have now they're just, left the they're show. Just totally left the show. Hang with me. Here's I'm going to summarize what we've done so far. So far, this feels like converting pounds to kilograms. Uh-huh. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great analogy. It's exactly yeah. like that. Um, what we're doing so far is we're trying to figure out of the profit of the money that's coming to me, right. how much should I be setting aside for taxes? Right. And the answer is for a lot of people, 15 to 25%, depending on what state you're in, depending right. on how much money you're making, right? That's a good ballpark place to start. And the example that I'm giving, it's 20%. Now, most people are not super disciplined about when they personally get paid, taking money and setting it aside for taxes. Right. And so one of the ways that we try to get around that bad habit and create more discipline is by taking a certain percentage off the top of revenue. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're going to get super mathy one more time, one last time, which is if your profit is 25% of revenue and you need to take 20% of profit and set aside for taxes, then if you're looking to percentage of tax savings off revenue, five percent. So twenty-five percent times twenty percent is five percent. And so for this particular example, if the gym owner just took five percent of top line revenue and set that aside for taxes, they should be more than covered when tax time comes around. Okay. Okay, Fern, ask me. How much is that? What What your questions are. <laughs> no. So, I mean, what I was looking at, I was like trying to do some back of the napkin math, which is not my strong suit, but I was like, okay, about a thousand bucks a month is what I was, it was calculating there. Yeah, a thousand bucks a month off of a 20K okay. month budget. Yeah, okay. So that was right. Okay, so... Now, what's the easy version of doing this? So, a anybody yeah. who's listening to this, like you're 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 gonna have to do some math, and you're gonna have to do some the, math. Yep. The so there, there's a couple different questions here. Um, the first one is gonna be: Should I be conservative? Should I be liberal mm-hmm. with my number? Right. So you said fifteen to twenty-five, and I'm like, okay, you we landed in the middle on twenty. Yep. Right. The I I'm going to assume that the general guidance, right? We are neither uh, accountants nor lawyers. Yes. Uh, is yes. that the the higher my household income, yep. the 
closer to 25 I'm going to be. And the lower my household income, the closer, closer to 15. To 15. And then no income tax state versus tax, you know, high, high income tax right. state, right? If you're in California versus if you're in Florida, uh, it's a big difference, right? And so if you're on the lower end of the household income and living in Florida, 15% might be adequate. Right. If you're a uh, higher income and in California, you might be 30%, right? Well, yeah, right? That, you that's might be probably higher. fair. Um, so, so it, it does, it does depend a little bit. And so, but I can tell you just from all the different budgets that I look at, because I've looked at a lot, 20% is a great place to start. And so mm -hmm. an easy way to think about this, like super back of the napkin is 20% times your profit percentage, right? Okay. And so whatever your operating expenses are to run your gym, everything that's left over before paying yourself and before paying taxes is your net profit from a mm -hmm. <clears throat> bottom line standpoint. Whatever that is, if you're only, if you're only making 10% right now, then you only need to save 20% of 10, which is 2% Two. of revenue. Yeah. Right. Whereas if your gym is like crushing it, you know, you're going to have to save a lot more of revenue. Right. And so right. the, the, the nice thing about doing it this way is I'm kind of secretly sneaking in how important it is to understand your profit margin for your gym, which again, goes back right. to the importance of budgeting and all that stuff. Right. Right. And so let's say, let's just go, let's just go with this scenario. We're like, Hey, we've decided that it is 20% or otherwise it's mm -hmm. five mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Okay, well, how do I do that now? Because how do we do, that? The, yeah. how do we do it? Right. So, like, if, for those of you that read profit first, you're like, all right, I do the math, I can push in all the accounts. I will tell people having done profit first for many years and then moving to YNAB and using that, it is significantly easier. Yeah. Inside of YNAB, all of the accounts are no longer necessary. So, all of that, so the transfers back and forth and all the, all the, all the, you remove. I don't know, call it 15 to 20 steps a month totally, with regard to managing your budget. Uh, and it just happens on a daily basis. Um, and it's also pretty, pretty easy to do in YNAB. I think it you showed it to me once and I was like, Oh, I get it. You're like, Oh yeah. So let, let's, let's pop over here. So if I come over to this budget, share my screen. Great. So again, if you're listening to the podcast, this is definitely one where like you probably want to hop over to YouTube at some point right. and just check this right. out. Um, so I've, I've got this gym and the example that I have here, let's, uh, let's make this a little bit more to match the previous example is as money comes in the door, it goes into ready to assign. If you're using YNAB, you know what that is. We've talked right. about this, the new money comes in here. And then before I do anything, before I budget for any of my expenses or anything at all, I'm going to hit this number with my percentages. And so in this yep. case, I've got a 5% profit, a 5% tax, 15% owner's comp, and then I'm operating on 75. And so I would copy this number to my clipboard. Mm -hmm. And then YNAB, if you're using it, is nice enough, you can do the math. And so I'm just going to paste this in, do a little asterisk, 0 0.05 for profit, yep. asterisk, 0 0.05 for tax, asterisk, 0.15 for owner's comp. And then the rest is just going to be my operating expenses. And so from here, right. I can then start budgeting for my rent and my utilities and all of my expenses. But now I'm sort of committing to, and this is what the whole book of profit versus built off Parkinson's right. law, which is like forced right. resource, forced scarce resources to force, uh, force you to, to, be creative to make this work. And it so it does this work case, by the way. Oh, it totally does. It absolutely works. Um, it totally does. And so for this profit, I'm now just going to move that to my, you know, savings and then this taxes, I'm going to move that down to my income tax savings owner's comp. I can take this and go pay myself with it. And then with the rest of the money, I can now use this. I know it's my operating expenses to come down here and start budgeting for right. all start of my everything out. You know, yeah. all my different buckets. And if I yeah. end up with more money after filling up all my buckets, just move over to November. Then I can just go into November and start yeah. getting ahead on 
November's affiliate fee and yeah. November's building rent and keep cruising until I'm out. So to summarize this little section, back of the napkin, 20-ish percent times your profit margin gets you close to how much you should be setting aside for taxes. Because what was happening is I was having, uh, I was having uh, some people that were like saving for taxes twice, right? They were saving it off revenue and then they would pay themselves and then they would personally save for taxes from paying themselves. It's like, whoa, oh, no, got you, it. yeah, you're yeah. saving way too much. You don't need to be. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. Which, you know, saving too much sounds a little silly, but like, it, but it's you kind of a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it is. It, that's one of those mistakes where I'm like, it ends up kind of being a good mistake. It does. My, now there could be downsides to it where you could be saving to a point where now it makes operating budget really challenging, right? You're mm -hmm. like, I don't have any mm -hmm. money, right? And because you're yeah. just saving too much. Uh, however, I, I would prefer that option totally. than rather than, than, burning all of your cash and spending it in places that you want. So like if somebody's making that mistake, I'm like, great. You know, it's kind of like in the zone where they were like miscalculating their Mac, their yes. macro breakdown. And they're like yeah. factoring in the fat and the protein. I'm like, Nope, Nope. And then they're like underfeeding themselves. This is kind of the opposite where you're like over saving mm -hmm. in that scenario, rather than maybe just paying yourself a little bit more money. So if you're going to make a mistake, this make is kind of the direction. one. Yeah. Make it in that direction. You're like, Oh my God, I saved too much money. Nobody has literally ever been upset about that. No. Um, cause then what'll happen is at the end of the year, you'll get to the end of the year and then you can just reallocate it or give yourself a bonus or whatever, but it's, it's there is the point. It's there. And now I'm not worried about the tax bill and then tax season. You're actually like happy, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, Oh, I have extra money now. Like yep. I don't, I don't have to pay, you yep. know, whatever $13,000 in tax. I got to pay six. Yeah. So. Okay. I got one more thing on this topic before we move okay. on to like paying yourself stuff. So. This again, let's go back over here. So let's say that I've been doing this consistently and now I know like, okay, cool. I've got some money here saved up for income taxes. So this is where, you know, again, I'm not an accountant. You should talk to your accountant, but one of the problems with making estimated quarterly payments solely oh, this based is such a pain point for me, but go solely ahead. based on last year is that if you have grown, right? If you're doing everything that, you know, you guys are teaching, if, if you're mm -hmm. growing your gym and you're increasing your revenue and increasing your profitability, then you're going to make more money this year than you did last year. Right. Which means if you're, if you're basing your quarterly estimates solely based on like last year, you're going to underpay and then you're going to have an underpayment penalty Yep. and you're going to end up owing more money and you're going to be super frustrated. One of the nice things about doing it this way as a percentage is that when it comes time to pay my quarterly estimates, especially if my business is growing really well, then I'm going to pay more than maybe what my accountant estimated for me last year. I'm going to actually just pay whatever's in this bucket. Right, right. I'm going to send and, that whole thing. Well, if you decide to do that, I am personally not a fan of quarterly. And I listen, okay. I'm going to admit some stupidity here. Um, this is interesting. This, um, well, only because like I was misinformed. Okay. I don't even remember when or by who, but just like, hey, you need to do this. To come to find out, you don't. You you opt in to pay quarterly taxes, and therefore you can opt to not pay quarterly taxes. And the only reason I'm not a fan for it, a fan of it in general, is if I'm saving yes. like this. Well, then when I get to the end of the year, I can pay the tax bill no matter what. Totally. But what I don't have the ability to do is execute any sort of further strategy with my cash on hand in order to no, not, not at all. pay higher taxes yep. or, or pay that full tax bill. That's why I'm not a fan of it. So understand you can only, well, not only, it is a safe play to not pay quarterly taxes if you are executing the strategy and you're being diligent with, meaning you're not pulling it out and then going to spend it because you're like, Oh, well, you got extra money. We'll move yes. it here. Like you, you must be, you must be hyper diligent and be like, that is tax money. It does not get touched. It literally doesn't exist. We're not yep. going to do anything with it. If you do that, 
this opens up the door for many other things, which is kind of a little bit of a segue into the next piece, which is totally. like, hey, how am I, how am I building wealth? And it's just like, there are scenarios, like if you are planning appropriately for your taxes, and I'm not just giving it to Uncle Sam, because again, once you give it to Uncle Sam, he's not giving it back to it's you. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, oh, we'll get a tax return. I'm like, it's not the same thing, right? Meaning, let's just say that you saved $40,000 in taxes as a gym, right? You're just like, you're, you're running a good gym. You know, you're running half a million dollars in revenue and everything's going right. And you got, I got $40,000 tucked away over here. Well, if you paid that $40,000 over the year, you can't do anything with it versus if I hold on to it, I can now do another tax calculation and say, well, if I, if I'm able to buy assets with this $40,000, what does that do to my tax liability? It may Bring it all the way down to zero. It may be you don't owe forty thousand dollars; you only owe ten, right? So you can figure out the math. But that's why I'm not a fan of quarter of paying quarterly taxes. But you can only do that. You can if you do if you're not have a budget and you don't pay quarterly taxes, yes. you're going to get hosed. Yes, at right. the end of the year. And I am speaking from personal experience. I have been the dummy who was not planning appropriately, got to the end of the year, and was just like, "Fuck." I don't have that money. What do I do yeah. now? Yeah. And now I've been on the other side too. And I'm like, I do have that money. And I would like to not give it to uncle Sam. Like hey, can you, what, yeah. what are some other strategies I can do? Well, you can do this, this, and this, and this will actually help you out tremendously. I'm like, perfect. I would prefer that option. Yeah. Agreed. So couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So that brings us to our, our next thing, which is like, um, this is where like I'll be interested, Fern, to have this be some some back and forth too and hear like what mm -hmm. you're doing and, and the ways you're thinking about it and maybe what you're saying other gym owners do. But yeah, let's say you're you're doing all the above. So you've been visioning, you've been planning, you've been budgeting, you've been saving for taxes, and like you're crushing it. And now you actually have a uh, a gym that you're really proud of and you're thrilled about and you really enjoy what you're doing. And now you're making more money than you have needed necessarily rather than just like increasing your lifestyle constantly, if mm -hmm. you were like, well, maybe I want to, you know, build some wealth with some of this money and take profits off the table. How do you, how do you think about that? How do you get started thinking about that? Do you have some rules of thumb for yourself and, and where do you, where do you go? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what we do personally. So we have, uh, essentially what, what, how far ahead do we want to get as the first metric me? Okay. So yep. it's either one month and you and I, we've talked about this before one month, our personal goal is four months. Okay. Right. So we're not quite at four months, but then it's like, okay, well, after four months, well, then it's game on. We can do any number of things. Now, I will also state inside of that is that inside of that monthly budget, we have uh, allotments of money for investment, right? So we, okay. we take our pay, yeah. we know what we want. So it's kind of like I'm already planning for it, but then once I get to the four months ahead, then it's well, even then it, more that can go to investment. Then it's even more. Then it's like yeah, way yeah. more. Then it like triples. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, okay, well now I can do some 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 crazy stuff. And this goes into like an overarching uh wealth strategy and like what do you want to do? Do you want to put this in are you buying are you into cryptocurrency are you buying mm -hmm. real estate are you know like what are you doing with are you purchasing another business like what's going on there um so that's the way we look at it so we're kind of doing both right we're saving on a monthly basis because we, we might be paying those out for personal development or whatever you name it just and, anything and that would be for clarity for folks when you say we you mean uh, my you wife and, and I, wife. yes. You yeah, and your wife, wife not the I, gym. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not the gym. Well, they're kind of the same. So we they view start them, flowing in. Yeah, they start flowing in together. So we view them as one and the same. Um, because uh, so for an example might be we do own um, uh, rental properties, but then we're also looking at this now. It's just like, okay, well, we're one and the same. How do I start to use all of these entities, right? So when you're talking about building wealth, you need to factor your business into that that should be helping you do that but then as i start to you know make and save more money and then put it in the places that i want well how can i how, what decisions can i make now for myself five years from now that would make this even easier so this is where it gets fun and you're like as a gym owner be like man it'd be really great to buy the building yep okay well, that is how all of this works, right? If you do not have a plan, you're never buying a building unless you just come into a bunch of money. Yeah. So we look at it like that, which is like, all right, well, if we really want to make the gym bulletproof, we should probably own the building, 
right? That's going to be that's going to make us as bulletproof as we could possibly be. You know, it's a, it's another asset to leverage against if we wanted to do that later on down the road. But that's really the way we look at it: is we want to own the things because um, then I'm not, you know, at the at the whim of the landlord or the market or all this other stuff. Like I can I I can get as much of it can be as fixed as I want it to. You know, like for most gym owners, your rent goes up three percent every year. Okay, well, what if it didn't? Yep. Yeah. What if it didn't go up three percent every year? Like yeah. I would have loved to have my rent five years ago. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fifteen hundred dollars cheaper five years ago. Yeah. So. So what does that practically look? So let's say somebody's listening and they're like they're finding themselves in this position and they go, "Man, I don't even know where to start. Like I, I don't know anything about yeah. like." any of this investing stuff like it what? doesn't start it doesn't start with the conversation we just had i will tell you that um <laughs> it, it does not and i will tell you i i think for most people and I, i'm always super candid with people for most people this is probably a 24 month journey before you yeah. really can get your arms around the bear and you're like all right first i, I was took me 12 months to build a habit and really start to understand saving and i've got my percentages broken down and i'm executing and i'm and i'm starting to reap the rewards of my good behavior and then you can start to look forward, right? Because you, after about 12 months of doing this, because I think we've been doing it about 18, yeah. just shy of two years probably, but you will also have come, you will also have gone through numerous like setbacks or unexpected things at that point. So you'll kind of understand how the game is played inside of this budgeting software. We're like, okay, I I now understand I can solve problems and I can get myself back on track and win. At which point you're even you're even more bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where. Um, so it looks like just doing it monthly until you're like, all right, I can I can operate a functional budget, right? Just like it's it's the same every month. I can do some some minor problem solving, and you just do that for a year. 18 months and it sounds super tedious but unless you're like a really high earner it's probably going to take that long to either it's take a while yeah it's going to take a while to get your arms around it maybe to get yourself out of a hole of some sort whether it's you have a credit card debt or something like that um but everything gets faster if you just stick with it and do the basics do the basics you know, do the basics really, really, really 100%. well inside yeah. of the budget. Um, but I tell people, I'm like, listen, if you get there faster in 24 months, great. But it's probably going to take most people who are earning something between 60 to a hundred thousand dollars, two years before you start can accumulate, you know, some sort of cash that would, that you could do some damage with essentially. Yeah. 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 So, I totally agree with all of that. I mean, it's, it's, it really is just like working out in that way, right? Yeah, like 100%. You're, you can make a lot of gains in your first year, but you're not typically going to get to like where you really dream to go in 12 months. Right. Like, I, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while, but here, here's where I would kind of, kind of uh, not make it sound so doom and gloom. You're, you're not going to get there, but I, I think it is reasonable to say, but, but by 12 months, it will be the 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 picture will become very clear mm, yeah, yeah versus yeah, yeah. like the vague like ah oh, we want to retire when we're 45 and you're like totally. cool how do you do that and they're like i don't know we'll just keep saying it every year until it doesn't happen magic versus when you're doing this for 12 years everything starts to come into focus you start to understand like oh well here's what we need to do here's where we need to go here's how we need to do it and then it becomes Oh well, that's just how we do things now because yes. I can see the math now works out to to map out to this desired end state, and then in my experience, and then other people that I know have done it, it is actually typically faster than that. Yes. It, uh, well, so. it's there. There's a. There's some scientific, I mean, there's some scientific research and backing to what I'm about to say. This isn't me totally just pulling something out of my rear end, but like there's there's an argument here for the subconscious that's happening when you're working and, and like when you're consciously focused on something and then the subconscious that is happening underneath it all when you're sleeping, when you're just kind of going about your day and like that ultimately accelerates things, right? And so oh, yeah. simply the act of being focused on managing your money, budgeting well, using it to get ahead, doing all the stuff that we talk about, you will start, 
it will become such a bigger part of what's going on even subconsciously that if you map out the game plan of like, I'm going to have this much wealth by this much time period, it will often happen faster if you're yeah. focused on it. If you're focused on it. And it starts with you. It's like um, there is a gamification to why not, which I think is a large yeah. component of why it works. Yeah, yeah. But we've seen people, um, I mean, we've seen gyms that had that went from no budget to being one to three months ahead inside of 12 months. Yeah. Which is crazy. Totally. I mean, they're just like, they have no idea. They're not paying themselves, like quit their job. And they're like, yeah, I have like uh, almost two months saved in the bank. Right. Like, do you know how much better you sleep at night? Oh my gosh. With that kind of, like, that's like, that's because money is every gym owner's nightmare. Let's be honest. But it doesn't have to be. And you, when you start taking control of it, it doesn't mean you're going to solve it quickly. But like now, now you at least can control it, right? So when you rid yourself of the fear of not knowing, you're like, oh, I know exactly what it is. It's not what I want it to be. But at least I know that I know I understand the game now. Yeah. Right? Like I, I'm not like you know I was listening to something yesterday and it was, um, the difference essentially between the the financial elites and everybody else's financial literacy. It's just like. Which is crazy. And I would consider myself largely financially illiterate. And I went to a top end, you know, institution for college. Mm -hmm. And I would still have considered myself financially illiterate until 24 months ago. I, I knew enough to be actually extra stupid. <laughs> and I, I'll be very candid with everybody. Like I knew enough to be extra stupid. And my wife is intelligent as well. She went to very high end college, but, but they don't teach you that kind of shit there. Yeah. And when you really, because and it and and money is a weird one, right? There's a different language there. How it works doesn't isn't entirely intuitive, you know. It's 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 all the things, and it seems like an uphill battle, but you can do it. Like you can well, learn it. Go ahead. Sorry. It, it's just, but most people don't because it seems overwhelming, and and it and it's and it's really it's like again it's like working out. The the analogies are endless. It's like it's it's extra hard on the front end. I love the literacy thing. So do you, do you ever play uh, board games or card games or anything like that? I, not anymore. I did growing up, but not anymore. Okay. Great. So you'll, you'll get the analogy then. So growing up, uh, do you ever remember a time where you maybe learned a new game? Somebody was teaching you a new board game or a new card game or something that you hadn't played before. Mm -hmm. And 10 minutes, 30 minutes, half an hour, whatever into the game, somebody does something and yep. you're like, whoa, I didn't even know that was allowed. You can just do that. <laughs> right. That's a yeah, lot. Like, Wait of a like, second. That's a lot of how like money stuff is, especially when it comes to like tax saving strategies and wealth building oh. strategies. Like, like there are so many things that you just don't know about that people. And then when you yeah. learn it, you're like, "Wait, what? I didn't." You, you, do, you yeah, <laughs> you don't know, and, the, and therefore you you don't play the game correctly to take advantage of it. Totally right. So yeah. and so the steps are: a, you need to manage what you have, right? Because yes. if you do want to play the game, make no mistake, you got to have some money, right? Like, there, there, you can't just magically put tax strategies in place. And be like, oh, I saved a bunch of money. That that is not how tax strategies work, right? No. Tax strategies are where you use your cash as a lever so that you can pay less taxes and it's all completely legal. That's how wealthy people get wealthy. Um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki is brilliant at this and he's been talking about it for whatever, 50 years at this point. Um, but he's, uh, him, Dave Ramsey, there's actually, there's a fantastic podcast of Alex Hormozzi and Dave Ramsey that if you guys have not listened to it, it's you should great. go listen to it. Yeah. It's a fantastic, I had no idea how big his company was, by the way. Huge. I'm not talking about Huge. Alex Hormozzi, everybody. No, no, no. I'm talking about Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. Huge. <laughs> Yeah, Dave Ramsey. If people like Alex Ramsey's huge company, I'm like Dave Ramsey makes him look like a giant. People don't know who he is. It's it's really funny to me. Like because I grew up in Tennessee, right? I grew up just outside of Nashville, like not far. And so like uh, Ramsey's a massive deal. Um, growing up, I knew it was a big company, but when he was talking about like what their annual revenue is, crazy. I was almost yeah. shit a brick. <laughs> It's wild. so it's it's crazy. It was it was like three hundred million dollars like a year. Well, and he like, owns. Oh my god! He owns. The rumor is he owns a, a hundred. I don't want to misquote, but I think he owns a hundred or two hundred, a few hundred million in real estate outright with no debt. 
Oh, I believe like, that wholeheartedly. I mean, because how he's how long has he been doing? How long has he been doing that? Um, they've got this huge, like, massive. You ever, have you ever seen it in Nashville? You ever driven by it? No, no. If you you should drive by the campus, it's just outside of Nashville. If you uh, if you find yourself there with some time, just because it's massive. And they own the whole thing, you know, no, because his, the whole thing's no debt, you know? So like, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Wild. But all of that goes back to like the, you know, you have to, you have to start with something. Now you don't have to start with a lot, but you do have to have, you do have to ha- create the habits that you would have cash on hand that you can yeah. start to exercise some yes. of these strategies. And I will also tell everybody like, even when you do understand it and even when you're do playing it right, it still feels like somebody is taking your body and stretching it <laughs> totally. to the limit. And you're like, I thought I was doing this right, but this still feels like yeah. I'm playing out of my league when yep. you're like, I'm going to put some money in, I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm like, it still feels like that. Yeah. Uh, no matter how you do it. Um, but once you do it a couple of times, then you get to start to see the rewards of it. But man, it just feels, it feels like chaos at first. It does. So just know that at first it starts with like, you got to have a little, cast that starts with creating a budget and then you're going to have to learn a little bit about where where can i use this to my advantage right so there's number one is like you need to budget what you have Mm -hmm. number two you need to keep as much of it as you can legally Mm -hmm. and then number three is then you got to figure out where to put it so that you can get more of it that's like the three basic tenets of like becoming wealthy um so let's so. let's dig into that third point for a second because I'm curious the way you think about this as well. So this idea of okay, we're going to budget to get more. We're going to you know try and keep more of what we got. However you said that, and then the third is you know what do we do with the money? Well, the money needs to go buy assets mm-hmm. that can then create more money for us. So the way that I have historically thought about this is that there's there's four, five. Let's call it. Four, five maybe four we'll call it four overarching asset classes there's there's more and this is not like mm-hmm. wall right. street bro tech this is like nick true twitter i think bro. technically there's seven but like there's three of them that kind of don't apply like, yes yeah. so for for the average joe who's like i want to go invest some money there's real estate mm-hmm. there's what we would call just like uh securities stocks and bonds right. stocks and bonds there's what I would call just like investing in other businesses. So like mm-hmm. buying um, another gym or, right. you know, those kinds of things. Right. Um, and then the fourth would be, I just bucket like more speculative things. So mm-hmm. like um, gold, right. cryptocurrency, those, right. those are the four that I have personally at least spent some time looking at or messing around with. Yeah. Um, so- Go ahead. Sorry. Speaking of the Ramsey uh, Hermosi podcast, he said something in there that I that I thought was interesting, or, or Alex brought up something that Ramsey had said, um, which I think is very important. Which is when you're thinking about what should you invest in, Dave Ramsey had told. I, oh, I guess, this is great. Like, yeah, yeah, Stefan yeah. and and yeah. and uh, Hermosi took it as well and said like, well you shouldn't just like go buy stocks because your friends do or go buy real estate because Fern does or go buy whatever. Like you should think about what is your own knowledge. And then I would actually throw in like, what's your interest? Because you may not have knowledge about any of these things. So which, which one interests you? Because to your point, it's going to be, a little bit of like almost adding another part-time job to go learn oh, yeah. how to invest properly yeah. in these different areas. And, and so for you- the record, going back to that, like my, that's my wife's interest. So that, yes. so I spend zero time there. there she educates me. So I learn by osmosis because okay. I don't have, quite frankly, like I don't have time to learn those things. Yeah. Like my thing is business. Like I yeah. want to be the best at this. And I'm like, cool. If you want to do that, I, I want you to be so smart at that. And she, and she likes it. So I'm like, great, you go do Perfect. that. Yeah, even better if you can find find a killer teammate uh, and a spouse like that. So, um, so yeah. So the idea just being like, what are you and or your spouse interested in? To the point that you're like, oh, I think I could learn the real estate game. And then inside the real estate game, there's like all these different you know types of real estate. Do you want to get mm-hmm. into you know storage or short term rentals, long term rentals, you know commercial, all these things, um, but setting so setting that up my my question to you and, and or certainly Ramsey's way of saying it was 
you should invest and allocate your your investing according to your uh, skill set and interest rather than just based on some random smorgasbord of what somebody else said was you know, a good way to do this. And I like that a lot. And so I can just tell you like candidly for me personally, the way that, that Hannah and I currently invest is, uh, right now the large majority of our investing and net worth is tied up in a large real estate investment that we made this last year. So Mm -hmm. we bought a, uh, a mixed use building here in Tennessee. That's got two apartments that we're short-term renting. And then downstairs is a, an office co-working space. That's more like a commercial Mm -hmm. real estate. Um, and over time, at least at this moment, this may change in the future, but over time, our goals for wealth building are growing our business that has value. And then using the profits from that to put roughly half of that into real estate and roughly half into like stocks and bonds and traditional stuff. And I mess around with a little bit of crypto, but it's not a huge percentage of what what we're doing at the moment. And so for me, those are my interests and the things that I'm playing with. But I'm curious for you, like when you think about taking profit off the table, how are you thinking about allocating it? Um into the two things that we both do. So for for me, long-term, it's uh, the either acquisition or building of additional businesses. Now, those timetables are a little bit longer because I've learned a lot of my lessons the hard way, which is like shore up the ones that you have and just make them, make them just cash flow cows so that they can just... You, everything is faster that way. So if you yeah. if you can acquire businesses and plug people in to those new ones, then I don't have to uh, I don't have to spend a ton of time and resources. I just want, and the businesses that I'm looking at are all businesses that are directly adjacent and support the main one, or maybe even just more gyms, right? So think anything that would be adjacent to a CrossFit affiliate, an accounting firm, a website company, like all these other things, like anything that I would use. I love that. I would, I would want to buy. And then same thing on the real estate side. Like we want to buy my, that's my wife's saying we want to buy more properties. I'm like, okay, well, what would be all the services and things that we would use to do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, like same thing, like a management company, like all those other things. So things that are directly adjacent to what it is that we do or services or products that we already buy. I love it. That's where, that's where, that's where our focus is. So she has her lane and then I have mine. And, um, you know, those plans are, there's like a kind of like a, call it a, a a one year, three year, five year, 10 year for all of those. Okay, cool. So you guys are thinking about that as part of your, your visioning and planning and sort of saying, here's kind of where we want the real estate to be. Here's kind of where we want, you know, Mm uh, the CrossFit related adjacent businesses to be right. That kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I look at it as like, well, if I own all the things, the the downstream savings a they're going to be cash flow positive but then the downstream mm-hmm. savings i have from owning all of those things is pretty significant down line meaning like i don't have to pay an account i don't have to pay a website guy i don't have to pay whatever oh my yeah. god i just don't have those ex- i own the property i don't have to pay rent anymore yep all of yeah. a sudden my operating expense if we go back to that that screen you had before is not 75 percent anymore it's like 37 percent yeah you know, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, it's or, real hard. It's real hard to blow it in a business with 37% operating <laughs> expenses. Totally. Totally. And it's, um, no, it's been, it's been really nice. We've, we've owned our building for about a year and every month my coaching business, you know, my financial coaching mm-hmm. business pays uh, rent to the LLC that owns the building for our mm-hmm. YouTube studio. Right. And it's nice. It's fun. Yeah. Like it's really fun to see that come in and know like, yeah. oh, it's leaving this business and going into that one. It's a thing that I would pay anyways. Yep. But now it just comes to me. Yep. Super fun. So the the big takeaway here for for gym owners is, you know, a lot a lot of the, one of the major problems that that we are trying to solve in Best Hour is a let's 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 fix how people run their CrossFit affiliates. And that's number yeah. one. And then there's the secondary piece of that, which is like, okay, let's make them high horsepower machines so that there is a long game to these. Mm -hmm. Because right now the long game for most CrossFit gyms is sell it because you just get tired of it, which is not a long-term game, by the way. That's just a, you decide to do something else. However, if you can build a gym that operates you know, with a GM that runs over half a million dollars a year that has a 15 to 25% profit margin, you can sell that for a million plus 
at which point that is a retirement plan. Like if you can just stick a million dollars in the bank when you're 50 years old, you're doing better than most people. Yes. Right. Like you can now draw 4% off of that and Mm -hmm. do nothing Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life, you know? Um, and, and then more importantly, let's say that you didn't do that, but now I can go do more of other things, right? Like I can, I can take that money and I can reinvest it, whatever it's going to be, you know? Um, so this is, this is the long game, which is like, Oh, you're never going to retire as a CrossFit gym. And I, and I think people think that, that, that you can only essentially retire if you own the building. No, you can do a lot of things, but it's a hell of a lot easier if you own the building. Yes. You know? Um, but then what else can you do with that? Right. So it may not be sell it at all. It may just collect cash off of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it just paid you six grand a month to just wake up and brush your teeth every morning, yeah, you have the freedom to go do whatever you want. Yeah. And you like it, you know, you get to go right. in and do your thing. And Or, or more importantly, this is where I think I'm, most gymers want to get, gym owners want to get to is they want to do a legends class. They want to run youth mm-hmm. strength and conditioning yeah, yeah. programs. They yeah. want to do something benevolent with, you know, um, uh, addiction clinics or yep. veterans or whatever. Well, this is how you get to those things. hundred percent. Or just like, Hey, you, you run a good business, you know, you create the cash flow that allows you to use your money in the right places, which is whether it's buy a building or, or start to build up your staff so that it frees up your time and bandwidth, um, to then allocate the, that time and energy to something else, which can also be revenue generating as well. And it just becomes a compounding effect. Just like money is a compounding time is compounding as well. If it's a, if it's just my time, well, then I can only do so much with that. But if it's my if it's my time and ten other people's time, well, we can do a lot more. Well, and to your point, I always think right. This is just like the oxygen mask analogy, right? right. Of of you know, the plane's going down. You got to put your own oxygen mask on first before you help your neighbor. If you want to do the addiction clinic, the legends class, the youth, like all these things, you need to get your stuff healthy so that you're not just freaking out about making rent next month. Mm-hmm. then you would actually have the bandwidth and time right. and you know all that stuff the capacity to do all of that so i think you know and again it all goes back to the basis which is like you got to have a functioning budget first right and then for a lot of people once you do this if you have a functioning budget and you're saving for taxes and you're and you and you do this intelligently one time mm-hmm. meaning like you had a plan you you figured out what your tax strategy was and then you set all that tax money aside mm-hmm. And the day comes and they're like, you don't actually owe all those taxes. I'm like, boom, there's your egg right there to execute your first thing. Yeah. Right. So if you want to start building wealth, whether it's a down payment on a building, you know, there's, there's plenty of gyms that are in areas where buying the building might cost them would definitely, they would need to walk up to the table with less than a hundred thousand dollars as a 20% down payment. Yeah. Yeah. At which point you have changed your entire trajectory as a business. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think it's really important that, that people understand that is that, you know, if you, if you're doing this right, if, if we're going back to like how when Nick was breaking down, down on YNAB and you understand your percentages, you may not have to utilize that cash in the place that you had totally. allocated for. Now I can do whatever I want with it. Yep. You yep. know, which is the cool part. Well, and back to this, like, I didn't even know that was a th- something you could do. I didn't even know that that was a rule that I could just do that. Right. Is, right. Um, there's, there's almost like, um, a, a putting on of new hats. Have you mm-hmm. read, um, the e-myth, uh, by Michael Gerber? It's yep. Like super old school. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So now, uh, I think when I read it, it was revisited. It was revisited. The, kind of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, updated version, the, the updated version. Um, fantastic book. Anybody listening, if you haven't read that book, I would, I would highly recommend it. I would say that like, arguably, and this is not to, to, to insult anybody. Um, when I say this, but arguably I think affiliate you, what you guys are doing is helping people make the transition that that book helps talks about, right. right? Is going from like the technician, correct. Right. In y'all's case, the, the CrossFit coach to being a business owner. Mm-hmm. because they're different ways of thinking and they're different ways of operating. Um, and, that, and that's what best hour of their day helps people do is they help them make that, that transition. Mm-hmm. And so what we're kind of talking about in this episode is going, okay, well, when I've made that transition, now there's like one other transition to make, which is like, 
investor, right? wealth builder, entrepreneur, like where we're yeah. thinking bigger and going like, cool. Now I've made the transition from just being a coach to being a, an owner. And now I'm, I'm now going, okay, well, I've got this thing cruising. Where do I go from here? How do I build wealth from here? And now we're putting on our investing hat. There's actually more practically speaking, there's a, there's an interim step in there. So okay. there in, um, and the budget is, a, is, a, is, you know, hindsight is 2020 is a yeah. significant, is a significantly larger contributor to making the three jumps. So call it coach, general manager, mm. owner. Yep. So in, in that order is how most people will rise through the, the affiliate. And many people could get from coach to GM, right? A lot don't, but many can, right? Going from GM to owner requires an entirely different set of skills. One of which means you need to really, really understand your cash flow. Yeah. Because if I am going to move up to that next level, I'm going to really need to understand how to build a team. Guess what? That team is going to cost you money. And if yes. you have no idea what you can pay people or how big of a team you can make, you are going to be in trouble and you will in, never end up making that third step. You will get bounce. You will bounce up there for a little bit because you think you have it and you'll find yourself back into the GM role. And then you'll, and then you'll try it and you'll get back because you really didn't understand budgeting and a whole host of other things, right? Like team building sales, all these other things. But that third one is really hard because you have to develop an entirely new set of skills and the budget is used component of that. And then you have to learn to, do things through other people, yeah. which money is a huge, huge component of that. of that is a yep. huge part of that. Um, at which point when you can comfortably sit in that owner role, now you can also think about, okay, well, if I'm here, well, now what do I do? Yeah. Right. That becomes the question. And you can invest in a lot of different ways. You could, again, you could purchase other businesses. You could, uh, you could buy, assets to then put your business in at which point that changes again and now i get to play that game but if you but there's three steps in there practice inside of a crossfit gym yeah that specifically just because of where they start the size you know and we're Makes talking sense. we're talking about most crossfit gyms there's some that definitely violate this where they just they crush and and they can kind of like they can kind of skip that that middle step it's very few let's call it like a fraction of a fraction of a percent most of them will fall in that three step process. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. So anything else you want to say on this investing? No, I, I just do with extra. We, we've, we've talked about a lot here and, and really I hope what the, the, what people take away from this is like, cause I know people talk about this all the time. They're like, fuck, you know, all right, well, yes, I want to work on the business and I want to mm -hmm. be an entrepreneur and I want to be able to invest and buy assets and, use all the buzzwords and leverage and all of those things. It, it comes back to where we've started this series of podcasts is like, you need to understand your cash flow. You have to. Right. In business, money solves a lot of problems. Yep. Right. It is also the source of almost a hundred percent of your problems. Yeah. So if you can learn to manage that, you can start to make your way up there. And it starts with a basic, which is like, get a functioning budget in place, learn, figure out where your cash is going and why Yeah. and determine whether that is where you want it to go. And if it's not make the changes, then you map out where it is that you'd like to be and you create the habits and you build the muscles in order to do that over time, you become a significantly smarter business person. If I plopped you in any business at that point, you can go in there and manage cash flow. And then I can start to problem solve or I can project into the future and I can kind of future pace myself and say, well, okay, where would I want to be? Okay, here's where I want to be. Here's what I want to do. And I can start mapping that out and then I get there. And then if I'm doing all of those things, I've probably mapped out the, the, the following steps from there as well. But it starts with, you have to have a budget. You need to understand the discipline required to get where you want to go is cost of entry. Have to. It's the foundation of everything. Like if we, if we don't have those numbers, we can't even have any of the conversations that we're having. So. It's crazy the number of people that you and I deal with that have no idea. It's not crazy. It's the norm. It's normal, quite frankly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the norm. And I, I, so I think it's crazy now because I realize how silly it is, having been that that totally. previous version. 
we're just like, how did I even, how did I even survive at all? Yeah. Not Do you, doing any of those things. I haven't ever used this uh, analogy before, but it just hit me. And I was like, oh man, it really is like that. Do you remember the moment that you needed to start wearing deodorant? Oh, that's a good question. I do. I had to have been high school. I don't, but I get where you're I, going. My mom yeah. told me and I was so embarrassed about it. <laughs> I, rem- I remember riding in the car with her and she was very nice. She wasn't like mean about it, but it was still just like, and I remember, and I remember her being like, hey, Nick, you know, so you're kind of at the point now where you, uh, you just, you got a little body odor and uh, I'm going to start buying you some deodorant and you need to start wearing it every day. And I, I felt, so, I was like, what? Like I was so... <laughs> I was so embarrassed by it, but now I know this is like a dumb analogy, but like, I can't imagine having a day where I don't put deodorant on. Right. Right. Like it, it's just part of the way that I live my life and it would be ridiculous to me. It's like brushing your teeth. You're it's like, like you, you're, your like, teeth, you're right? like, you don't brush your teeth. Like that's gross. I'm like, you don't operate a budget. I'm like, that's gross. hundred <laughs> percent. And and that's where you're like beforehand, I would just live my life. I didn't use deodorant. I didn't know that. I didn't even know yeah. I needed deodorant. It's fine. Uh, I was getting by, you know? And then now that I use deodorant, I'm like, Oh man, how did I, how, I feel bad for my friends before that moment, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I do remember like when I, I like figured out, like I didn't know what I was doing with finance, which is hilarious because I have an economics degree. I was a supply officer in the Navy. That's what you do. But that's a, that actually set me up for failure because you're dealing with the government's money there. It doesn't, nothing matters there. It was like, just spend it. All you really had to do was account for it. You didn't have to like save any of it. It didn't Jeez, matter bro. where it didn't matter where I'm listen. That's the truth. That's how, that's how federal budgets work. It is. The, the, it that is. is, that is the unfortunate truth of the, of the gross waste, fraud and abuse. That is the federal government. Yeah. Um, it is just get all your money and spend 110% spend of it. it. And you better spend yeah. all of it because if you don't spend all of it, you won't get as much next year. It, it so. is the most insanely backward insane. system that I have ever been a part of. We're just like, if you were fiscally responsible, you are, this is not a joke, everybody. So if if anybody thinks I'm joking about this, this is is the absolute truth. If you did not overspend on your budget, you would be penalized. Think about how crazy that is. So when people are like, what's all this money? I'm like, this is why the system is the way that it is because that is how the the federal government operates. Um, So then when I got to the, the private sector, I got slapped with a whole dose of reality which is like yeah you'll be broke in five months yeah good good luck yeah. yeah well and 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 on top of that i think um i find often that the more complex people's jobs are in their day life the more they think they don't need a budget like I, they're like like Oh man, I manage i manage like tons of money at the company i work for i don't i don't need to budget myself i do that it's like no, like no. no. So the more complex, the more structured, the more structure you need. You have to. That'd be like that'd be like rolling into a, a class and be like, oh, 30 people. I don't need a plan. I only need to I don't I only need to plan when there's one. I'm like, yeah, that literally makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Yeah. It makes zero sense. So I, I hope everybody is kind of understanding what we're talking about here. And I hope you got something out of the tax stuff because that's a huge component of it, right? If you because yeah. you'll that that is one that has set me back in in over the years many times where we thought we were making headway because we didn't understand that. We either had a bad accountant or it was miscommunicated or whatever. And they're like, oh we have this. And then and the government came and they're like, yeah, we'll take that from you. Thank you very much. We'll take all like, of it. Thank you. We'll take yeah. all of it. And I'm like back literally back to square one. Yeah. And yeah. we did that many times. It was infuriating. And then we had to go through this process of like like, all right, we need to, we need to, we need to be more literate here. And like I said, it was, it was probably like a two year process before we could call ourselves like somewhat literate. We're like, okay, I understand. I understand where I'm making mistakes first. And then it's like, okay, well now how do I fix this? And then you have to understand like fixing that is going to take you a minimum of 12 months, probably closer to 24, um, in order to realize the, the fruits of making those changes moving forward. So it's not, it's not, you got to settle in for the ride on that. But if you're owning a gym, you got to figure those two things out because you can create longevity inside of the, inside of the CrossFit affiliate for yourself, for your staff, uh, and for all of your members 
moving into the future and it all comes back to this it seems silly but it all comes back to this it's it's the foundation for everything and so hopefully we've uh maybe maybe inspired you to paint a picture of like where things go and where things get really fun down the road yeah um and there's lots of you know lots of moments of like holy crap i didn't even know you could do that uh to come but it starts with the foundation so go back listen to the other episodes if you haven't um in this series and uh and get your foundation in order and then um be patient. Like Fern said, it takes time. And so just get the foundation in order, get the the routines in place, and then just hang on. If you're struggling with money, if this sounds all at all appealing to you, um, this is probably one of the more impactful things that we do with affiliate owners. So if you're interested in how all of this works, how we are working with affiliate owners to help them keep all of their cash on hand, run better affiliates, pay better coaches, reach out, affiliate you. We'd love to set up a call with you. Just talk no obligation for anything but this is a this is a huge problem and it's one of the first things that we solve for people because it's the most important if we want to have the compounding effect outline so reach out we'd love to chat with you and we'll see you guys next time thanks for checking out this episode of the best hour of their day podcast we appreciate you listening and choosing to have us help you in your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership you can find more episodes just like this on all podcast platforms If you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community. Thanks for listening.